drops loose. They score! Keeper Bellows goals in four straight games. What a goal for Oliver Wallstrom. A highlight reel tally. Cross-size pass. Watherspoon scores! Parker Watherspoon times the game. This is a production of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Proud American Hockey League affiliate of the New York Islanders. On for the return pass extended, Simon Holmes from he track shoots, he scores! First in North America for Simon Holmstrom. I'm head coach Brent Thompson, and this is Sound Tigers Hockey. Well, it's Tuesday, and that means we've got another podcast for you. It's Sound Up for December the 1st of 2020. Boy, it's hard to believe it's already December, but uh, the way this calendar year has gone, it's not a bad thing to get this over with and move on to 2021, which hopefully will be a little bit better. And on this edition of the Sound Up podcast, we've got Sound Tigers forward Jeff Kubiak joining us. He, like Seth Helgeson, re-signed a new deal with Bridgeport back in October. And so we'll talk to him about that and a whole lot more. A great conversation coming your way in just a few minutes. And uh, again, right now for the Sound Tigers, things are quiet, certainly on the ice. It's at a standstill. The uh, the AHL hoping to get a new season going February the 5th. But for right now, we wait. Things a little bit busier in the front office with planning taking place on uh, some new promotional nights and uh, some new ways to engage fans when we do uh, reopen Webster Bank Arena and return home. And so, again, a little bit busier in the Sound Tigers front office. I tell you where it's really happening right now is over on Long Island in Elmont, New York. UBS Arena is taking shape. The the pictures, the uh, the aerial shots are phenomenal of this new facility. And uh, I actually got to go along with uh, co-owner John Ledecky and a couple of our media members here in Connecticut a, a few weeks ago, Michael Fornabayo of the Connecticut Post and John Pearson with the WTNH News 8 came out and uh, we, we took a tour of the new UBS arena. That place is going to be stunning. It already is. And uh, you can see some of their coverage and some of the uh, shots of the inside and what's being built there on either the uh, Connecticut Post website or WTNH.com. And uh, things coming along very nicely for that new facility that will open prior to the 2021-22 campaign for the New York Islanders. And speaking of the Islanders, some news uh, last week in this one uh, kind of on a sad note, uh, of course, uh, Islanders defenseman Johnny Boychuk announcing that he will no longer be able to play due to an eye injury. Of course, he's suffered a, a couple of different injuries, uh, bad ones over his career, and the most recent was last season. Just heartbreaking news for, for Johnny Boychuk, a guy who never played with the Sound Tigers but played 374 games in the AHL. Those contests with Hershey, Albany, Lowell, also Cleveland and Providence. He was actually named the league's best defenseman back in 2008-2009. And so our our best wishes for Johnny Boychuk and his family and his post-playing career. But uh, that that's a guy who deserved to go out on his own terms. And uh, unfortunately, Johnny Boychuk, with two years left on his Islanders contract, uh, won't be able to play another game. Uh, we're thinking of him down here in Bridgeport. From an Islanders defenseman to Sun Tigers forward Jeff Kubiak, he's up next on the podcast. These podcasts have been so much fun. We've gotten to learn a lot about some guys who feel like you know a lot about and then you get to talking and you uncover a whole bunch more. Started with Brent Thompson, went on to Seth Helgeson, Tanner Fritz, and now Jeff Kubiak for December the 1st of 2020. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Of course, we're coming off of American Thanksgiving last week. 
Uh, what's the tradition in the Kubiak household for Thanksgiving? Well, thanks, Alan, for having me. Uh, it's good to good to talk to you. Um, but yeah, so uh, typically for our, our family Thanksgiving, we uh, switch off actually every year with my my mom's side of the family. Just it's one family: my aunt, uh, my aunt, my uncle, and their my two cousins. Um, so this year happened to be at their house, and so every year we just switch off. Uh, it was uh, you know we we kept our distance. It was you know it was it was fine. It was great. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a great time. We had some great food, as uh, as I'm sure you did. I mean, take a couple bites, and you're already you're already <laughs> starting to get full. So, uh, but yeah, it was a great Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I was excited to see everyone, and uh, you know, now we're looking forward till Christmas. My measuring stick is if I'm not nauseous by the time I finish eating, then it wasn't a successful Thanksgiving. Is that the case in your household? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I remember I, I get to we get to my aunt's house and, and you just smell all the food. You know, it was pretty much ready. It was awesome. I was so excited. I didn't have to wait too long to eat. But you know, you go around the you go around the servings and it's you know you're so excited to have your first bite and after a couple of bites you're just like wow like I have way too much on my plate. But I feel like every year for me after a couple of minutes of of some some deep breaths I'm ready for round two and. And then, uh, and then you know, you just open up again from there, and you go after it again because it's just one such a great meal. <laughs> yeah, round two, round three, and so on, and obviously, then you have the the dessert later on. You know, you eat a lot of food, you watch some football. It's always a great time in our household. It was always like we had a a wishbone competition. So you take the the wishbone out of the turkey, and we always had you know me or, or one of my brothers and my cousins would grab each of the ends and pull it and whoever had the longest part of the wishbone was the winner. That was always our big tradition. You know, speaking of traditions, you know, it sounds like you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Are you a black Friday shopper? Honestly, uh, traditionally I'm not, uh, I don't like, I don't like all the long lines. Uh, in, you know, normally, um, I've, I've been so, uh, into going on Amazon and just kind of using it online. I think it's a little, it's a little easier to navigate these days. You kind of know specifically, specifically what you're looking for, whether it be, you know, clothing or, or, you know, accessories, electronics, and you, and you kind of can go, go from there. I do think it's pretty easy now to shop online, but yeah, the long lines, the cold, with the cold temperatures for black Friday just doesn't, you know, doesn't suit me real well. You know, I, I asked about Black Friday shopping because, uh, you know, when you're a hockey player, usually this is in the middle of the season. And, you know, especially the last few years, you know, we've had games on Black Friday. You don't get a lot of time to go out and shop because you have a job to do. And obviously it is a morning skate and then play a game that night. But this this bizarre off season continues. Obviously still no hockey. The American Hockey League's target date is currently February the 5th. Is this bizarre off season, for a lack of a better term, getting any easier or is it just getting harder? I mean, honestly, I, for me, I think it's getting a little harder solely on the fact that, you know, I think I just, I just want to play hockey again. Uh, you know, you, you continuously, you know, you, looking back, you got home in late March, and you're like, okay, I, I feel like a lot of people are, I can speak for maybe some people like myself, I was like, guess, you know, I'm trying to guesstimate the next the next month that, you know, we'd be back, you know, and uh, obviously it just keeps keeps going and going. So, honestly, I'm just so excited to, to play again and, Obviously, hopefully that'd be sooner rather than later. But you know, it does it, the, this long off season and time time with family in a way, in a way does kind of let you sit back a little bit and enjoy some some uh, parts of your life that you don't typically have uh, this time of year. Like you said, we're usually in the middle of the season. Thanksgiving just passed. You know, everyone's everyone's a little just excited to keep playing hockey at this point. And uh, so. For me, yeah, it's going a little harder. You, you know, you continuously do your training and skating as much as you can. Uh, 
but then at the end of the day, you're maximizing time with family, friends, and, and you know, uh, and that's just kind of what I've been doing. What is something about the hockey season that you really miss right now that you never thought in a million years you would actually miss? I think it's just the, you know, being in the, in the room with the guys, you know, you, you don't realize how often you're, you're with someone during the hockey season, whether you live with some guys or, you know, obviously you're at the, the rink every single day and you're going out to dinner and you're doing all these things that just, it's like, you know, you're part of a team and part of a group that's just so fun to be around. So when you're, I've been trying to trying to text some some of the guys as much as I can. Everyone's so you know busy with their own with their own lives, but it's it's yeah. You just you miss some of the guys. You miss the laughs, and obviously just going to compete every day too is always is always something you miss as well. But I, I do know that being in the locker room, joking around with the guys and stuff is just one thing you you can't really you can't get unless you're unless you're there, you know. Yeah, that's pretty similar to what Tanner Fritz said last week. We had him on the, the podcast, and he brought that up. He also said the bus rides for him, he's missed a lot of time, you know, even more so than most guys do to injury. And you know, he said just being on the bus, you know, it, it's not a lot of fun in the middle of the season driving from Bridgeport to, you know, Hershey four hours or even, you know, Rochester, Toronto, those teams in Canada, that they're, they're so long. And when you're on the bus, you hate it. You hate every second of it. But then looking back, you're like, okay, this is something that I wish I could do right now. And it, it kind of puts things in perspective. And usually teammates is a common answer. What you brought up there, being around the guys, is a, a pretty common answer. Sound Tigers have a great group of guys, a very close-knit group. Aside from that, what else factored into your decision to resign with Bridgeport for another year? Yeah, I mean, I just – I really, you know, I've you know I've been with Bridgeport the last few years now, and I just, you know, I've been it's been a great relationship. Obviously, I really like, you know, the town, uh, the arena, the fans are exciting. You know, obviously the coaching staff and players and staff from top to bottom. It's just like a welcoming family type feeling, and it's just, uh, you know, it was obviously an honor to resign. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's been a fun time the last few years coming into the pro hockey ranks with with Bridgeport and the Islanders organization and you know with an opportunity to keep that going I thought absolutely I would love to do that and to keep keep it moving on so yeah I think just like the, you know family oriented group um, you know like you said it's a great group of guys year in and year out for my last few uh, th- three or four years excuse me so that was that was a huge factor and uh, you know I'm been on the east coast for seven eight years now since I went to college and it's just you know it's it's like Chicago, it's cold. The weather's the same, you know, bigger cities, you know, ish. So yeah, it's just a comfortable, it's a comfortability that is yeah, as nice as well. Something you don't think about. And I agree, you know, I'm from similar areas. as you, the, the weather itself is pretty similar. It's pretty spot on. The difference is kind of the density and the amount of people, but uh, yeah, there are a lot of similarities. And for you, you know, coming up on your know, third full season in Bridgeport, fourth year overall, uh, you know, time goes so fast. I remember when you made your, your AHL debut, do you have any favorite games in there that you've played with the Sound Tigers? Yeah, I think uh, one that sticks out was, uh, was not this past season that just ended, but the season before. Uh, I remember we were playing, it was late March or you know, in that playoff push and we played Charlotte back to back nights and, and it was like a Wednesday, Saturday, something. I have a pretty good memory by the way, Alan. So this is, this is good that you asked me this, but uh, <laughs> I think we, yeah, we, we didn't play too well the first game on like a Wednesday and yeah, everyone just kind of was ready to respond. Luckily we played the same team on a Saturday uh, on Saturday at home. And it was just one of the like funnest games. I think we won like two to one. It was a crazy game. I had that playoff type feel already. And you no, know, it was late March. 
And uh, yeah, I just remember it was a it was just a really fun game. I, mean, I remember the the crowd was awesome. I mean, you know, it was just such a recovery from the game uh, during the week beforehand. So that that game sticks out. Um, I think my my first pro game. Oh, I guess my first pro game actually sticks out too. Now that I think about it. I played. Uh, we played in Charlotte, and there was no fans, zero fans, because of a little snow, yeah. uh, yep. snow in Charlotte, which I guess they don't see often. So. Two inches in Charlotte is com- probably comparable to about 25 in Chicago or New York. So I guess they canceled all the, you know, they canceled or shut down the roads. To, they didn't allow any of the fans in the game. And I remember just like, you know, I was like, wow, I'm going to play my first game here tonight with no one in the building, but, you know, the refs and the team. So it was pretty weird. Uh, and I hope that, you know, I guess some teams are doing that now. It's, it's a weird foreshadow, but uh, hopefully we get back to some fans uh, soon as well. That's funny. You do have a great memory. Uh, I and I remember that game very well. Uh, playing in Charlotte, they they shut almost the whole city down. We still played the game, and I just remember all of the talk about the NHL returning in the bubble and doing it with no fans and and all you know major sports trying to maybe uh, potentially do games with no fans and uh, you know you know Sound Tiger staff. We're sitting here like, okay, we've gone through that not once but twice because there was also a morning game in Hartford. It was one of their school day games. And it snowed, and they ended up having snow days in Hartford and canceling. You know, all the schools canceled, so we ended up still playing the game in front of 25 people. So I yeah. I do remember that Hartford game. Now that you think about it, too, I'm pretty sure it was that you know two two seasons ago, and it just was a last second thing where it was too snowy, so they had the had to cancel the game. But now, I guess now, if you actually think about snow and school, these kids are in trouble because of. The, a single word called Zoom. There ain't no yeah. more snow days coming. <laughs> so it's funny. It's funny how all these things kind of work out. These poor kids from now on, they will never know a snow day. They will never, they'll never have one again. Ever. Thanks to Zoom and the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Those are always the, the best days waking up and, uh, you know, for us watching TV, watching the little bar on the bottom of the screen with all the closings and you, you hope your school is in there and you'll be get to, you know, go back to bed or, you know, go sledding or whatever. Jeff, I, I was looking back, you know, through your stats in your career so far, and I mean, it wasn't that long ago you played 59 games with Worcester in the ECHL. As is the case with any hockey player, you're, you're trying to elevate, you're trying to get to the NHL, and you were able to earn a full-time American Hockey League job, and I use the word earn because that's exactly what you did. Why do you think that was the case? What about your game uh, got you to this level and helped you stick? Um, well, I think, you know, obviously the biggest the biggest thing is – once you well, you want to play at the biggest, or excuse me, the you know the best, the best level, highest level. Um, that's that's what all all of us are here to do, and all of us on this on our team now, and you know every team I've played on in the past. You want to play in the NHL, and you know obviously the only way to do that is to work as hard as you can and take advantage of opportunities when they uh, you know when they present themselves. I mean, no nothing's handed in in the sport, and and pretty much in, in any anything in life, you gotta you gotta work for what you can get, and I think. One of my big one of my big things was after my season in Worcester, uh, you know, I got a taste of of the AHL that season. You know, when I played my first few games in the AHL, and you know, you, you you get called up and you play, and you're like, wow, like you know, you know, you can play at this level, but what's going to keep you at this level? And so I think going going into my first off season after my first year pro was a big. Um, you know, a big motivation for me. I was self-motivated and then put, put into perspective that what I had, I had to change some things. I changed my entire workout uh, schedule. I, I got a new trainer, um, which I've been with for three years. And 
And I think that was a huge part of my game. My, my body was, I think my body still is like the way my body moves is kind of what has helped me in the last four years stay healthy, you know, knock on wood, uh, be able to be more flexible, be able to move a little bit better and move your, move my body in ways that I couldn't four years ago and I can do it better now. And I think, you know, being four years older too. So I think, I think the biggest thing for me was making some changes that, that one, you get some, you know, you get some, uh, what's the word? You get some ask, not ask, but some, from some talking to your coaches on what you, what, what do you think you need to do? Or this is what you do well, but you know, if you can do some of these other things a little bit better, it's only going to give you more opportunity and a better chance for success. And so I've, I always take, you know, coaches meetings, um, you know, general manager meetings, whatever it is to heart, because that's, you know, those are the people that make the decisions and you don't, you don't make your own decisions in the sport. So, uh, yeah. So I, you know, it's been a lot of growth, a lot of, change as well if you have you know i really think about um changing if something's not working you've got to make a change because obviously what you're doing isn't working so that was a big reason for me um making making that switch to ahl and i knew i can play at that at this level and um but then again being in worcester was an awesome experience for me too that was my first taste of pro hockey it got me used to a schedule going from 35 games in college to 70 in pro and again, back to your body, like that's a huge change. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs and, and growth along the way has kind of led me to where I am today. That's really good stuff there. That's, that's great advice. And it's very astute of you to mention, you know, taking all of the coaches meetings and the, the GM meetings to heart. Uh, that's that uh, Cornell university degree working for you there. The smart. We'll talk, we'll talk about that. Co- you got to put that to you somehow. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Cornell coming up here on, on the second half of the podcast. Um, and before we uh, go to our stat of the week and our uh, kind of trivia question of the week, you know, we got to talk about, we just mentioned Worcester, kind of where you got your start. Uh, just just heartbreaking news in the ECHL that they're one of right now, as we speak today, eight teams that won't be playing this upcoming season, opting out. And in fact, that entire North division is out. Uh, Worcester, Maine, Adirondack, Brampton, Redding, Newfoundland, uh, Atlanta, and Norfolk already uh, opted out for the season. So that's tough. And I know you know a lot of really good people in Worcester who unfortunately won't be able to endure a season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like I, like I mentioned in my last, uh, last answer, I, I, I owe it to Worcester. Uh, you know, I, right. You know, I was first, first place at first pro city I played in, um, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. It led me to where I am today. And there's some great people there in the organization. That was, that was their first one. When I started in Worcester, that was the first season of the Worcester Railers. So, Obviously, they they were starting to build their you know position in the community, and I know people in Worcester love hockey as they, they you know they had an AHL team and then lost it for a few years and then regained it with the Railers. But you know, again, I, I think you know a little adversity is is only going to make you know these these teams in the ASHL stronger. You know, you're gonna you're gonna hope your fans can can back you and continue to support them uh, through ups and downs. You know, like that's that's a big thing too as a player, like. You don't want fans only to be there when you win. You want them. Uh, you want them there when you lose too, and that's a, that's how you grow as well. So yeah, I really I really feel for those teams. Obviously, the players that we're looking forward to playing, you know, uh, with, with those teams this upcoming season. You do, you just hope them well and hope they can find another spot to play. And um, you know, it's it's uh, sad, but it, things happen. Yeah. And like you said, you know, adversity isn't always a bad thing. You know, a lot of times you can come back stronger. 
fans hopefully can back that team. That's the case in every uh, minor league level. The American Hockey League need fans to back it too. So uh, well said. We're, we're going to step aside to uh, give a little stat of the week and uh, trivia question, and we'll be back with Jeff Kubiak after this. Let me give you a little education, mister. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. Last week on the podcast, we asked you guys in our trivia question of the week, and it kind of revolved around this day in history. It was November the 18th of 2011. David Olstrom scored actually twice in a game against Connecticut, the team that was Connecticut Whale, now is, of course, the Hartford Wolfpack. He had two goals in that game, and the question was, why was that significant? Why was that notable? The answer to that, David Olstrom extended his goal-scoring streak to seven straight games. That's a Sound Tigers record. He did it with two goals against Connecticut on November the 18th of 2011. If you answered correctly and let us know on Facebook or Twitter, we'll send you a Sound Tigers prize pack, and uh, congratulations. Uh, that's still a Sound Tigers record. David Olstrom with goals in seven straight games. No one's been able to top it yet. Now we head into a new trivia question that uh, that David Olstrom noted our stat of the week. And now our stat of the week next week revolves around this question. That is, of course, Jeff Kubiak's our guest this week, so uh, we'll tie it into Jeff Kubiak. He wears number 36 for the Sound Tigers. The question is, how many different players have worn the number 36 with Bridgeport ever since the team began back in 2001? That was the inaugural season. How many guys since then have worn the number 36? If you know that answer, let us know, and uh, you might win a Sound Tigers prize pack. We'll answer that next week for our stat of the week. But that's the question leading into next week's episode. And, uh, of course, Jeff Kubiak wearing number 36 for the past couple of seasons. Jeff, do you have any idea what the the magic number is? Ooh. I mean, what, what did you say the start the season, start inaugural season was? 2001. 19 years. I'm going to go with five. I mean, I, I think thirty. I, I think thirty-six is an interesting number. I I would wouldn't have thought I was going to wear it, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go with five. That's not your favorite number. It's not my favorite number, but I've gotten I've started to like it more and more as as I've worn it. Sure, absolutely. You've scored a, a few goals in the AHL in that jersey, and uh, we're not going to tell you if you're right. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and, and wait a week for that. Now, if fans agree with you, they can submit that answer and uh, hope they're correct for a prize pack. But uh, that's the. The question of the week, and we'll let you know next week for our stat of the week. And uh, again, back with Jeff Kubiak. And Jeff, uh, you know, it's funny. I feel like you're a pretty open guy. You're you're pretty transparent. Uh, you're pretty talkative in the locker room. But as I was preparing for this this podcast, there was so much I, I didn't really know about you yet. I, I didn't know what to ask. Uh, I, and then that kind of led me to, you know, you are kind of, even though you're you're not the quietest guy, you're very stealthy in how you go about things. You agree with that or no? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'd say maybe <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely can pick and choose when I, I'm uh, a little bit more vocal and <laughs> and you know loud, like you said. I, I am. I would say though, I kind of away away from the ring. Sometimes I am a little bit uh, quieter, and I do like though so I, I do like keeping to myself. Uh, you know, whether it be at home sometimes and all that. But I do like. I do like when there's some energy around too. That I kind of pick and choose, like you, like you said. I like, I like both sides of it actually. So, but yeah, oh, I, whether it be like tricks and jokes, I don't know about <laughs> selfie. I kind of sometimes will just go for it and just hope I get some laughs and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I think the yeah, just the 
me and vocal and talking to him around the room is, is just a, real, a lot of fun to me. And, you know, I, I'm pretty close with a lot of the guys. So there's always, I'm, whether it's, you know, chirping Helgson about the Vikings or, you know, other other guys that like other sports teams. I'm, I'm a big Packers fan. I know it's unorthodox being from Chicago and I get, I get a bunch of, you know, jokes about it all the time as to how I'm a Packers fan being from Chicago, but you know, it is what it is. And I love, I love going after some of the guys because they're, you know, the Packers, Alan, they are, they're a good team and they're pretty consistent. So it's fine. I usually have, uh, I usually have some, you know, some baggage to work with, with the Packers. <laughs> a couple of things to unpack there. One is, yeah, that's extremely unorthodox, weird, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you're from the, the Chicago suburbs, Tinley Park. Some say, you know, the, the Chicago suburbs are the greatest region in the entire world, but I'm not going to debate that. I, um, I would say, I'd say so. I made a I made a deal with Seth Helgeson on our second uh, podcast this fall, where it was the Bears Vikings game was that Monday night, and I felt pretty confident. And unfortunately, that was a bad idea and a bad feeling to have because he ended up winning that bet. So now this coming season, I've got to wear a Vikings jersey to practice one day. He's, or sorry, it's funny you say that about Helgeson you know, with a with, uh, little juice on the Vikings and Bears game. I since going dating back to the start of last season, we've had. You know, Packers Vikings, like you know, they they play two times a year, like the Bears, same division. I've I've uh, I'm three of my last three against Salgi Packers Vikings bets. He owes me, like, I think, like four dinners. Oh wow! <laughs> I think it's one dinner, but and then I I asked him if he wanted to do something for this last game that happened a couple weeks ago, and he goes, he didn't he didn't want to because he didn't have any much confidence in the Vikings because they haven't had that great of a season, and they ended up smoking the Packers a couple weeks ago. So I kind of got lucky. Funny, you had some uh, bet with him too. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, we try, we try to have fun on these podcasts, and uh, you know, one thing a lot of people do know about you is you went to Cornell University uh, in New York for th- uh, four seasons from 2013 to 2017, and two of those years kind of overlapped with Cole Bardrow, who Sound Tigers and, and Islanders fans have gotten to know pretty well, and he's back for another season coming up. I I want to know, you know, I want the dirt here. Go ahead and throw him right under the bus. You know, what what was that relationship like? Uh, it was, it was good. My, my class had, my class had a good relationship with Cole's class. They were, yeah, like two years old. They were, you know, juniors when I was, my class was a freshman. We got along pretty well, class to class. Uh, you, you know, Cole, he's, he's, he's energetic. He's loud. He loves, you know, loves some jabs here and there. So he, he did this, that same type of, same type of stuff to me and, and back in school. And he was, you know, he was always the energy in the room and still is today. So, yeah, I mean, Kind of, I think initially I'm a little, I was a little bit like, okay, like, you know, is he ever going to, ha- like, you know, chill a bit? But then he just kind of <laughs> came, you came, you came to like, know that, no, this, that wasn't him. So, yeah. But we had, a, we had a pretty good relationship at school. Uh, um, yeah. He, he was obviously a great, you know, leader and uh, upperclassman for us. So it was good. And then obviously, you know, come and played him a few times in pro uh, against him. And, uh, after, you know, after those college years and, you know, you, you almost sometimes you think I didn't even go to school with him the way, you know, plays against shit and stuff, but yeah. that's just how he is. And then, and then it was awesome to see him come, come to the Islanders organization. And we kind of, we, we lived last year, uh, we lived together last year in, in Milford. So we kind of picked up, picked up that, you know, relationship from school a little bit. And yeah, he's a, he's a great guy and it's awesome to, awesome to have him on the squad. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys, and, and you are too, for that matter, a guy you want on your team versus playing against him. And I know you played against Cole many years after college when he was with Lehigh Valley and, and you were here in Bridgeport. You know, Cole's big story last year was after all of 
the the career he's gone through, all the injuries he's sustained, you know, just you know, a culmination of every uh, hardship that he's gone through. He ended up making his NHL debut. He scored a goal, obviously, on that penalty shot against Ottawa. I mean, for you, you're a guy who's is like a Tanner Fritz who was on the podcast last week trying to work his way from the ECHL to the AHL and eventually get that shot in the NHL. Does watching a guy like Cole give you any more of a confidence boost that, you know, that, that is realistic one day? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I think. You, you know, you cheer, you cheer for your teammates like that to get a chance. And yeah, you know, like you said, about Cole, he's had some adversity along adversity along the way that you know has been unfortunate sometimes. But he look look at what he's he's bounced back from it in a in a great way. He got his first NHL goal, so I, I wasn't even I, I couldn't have been happier for him when it happened. You could just see the excitement on his face when it, when he saw it went in the net, and uh, and that's something that you right away you start you know picturing yourself. You start thinking about it, you're like you know you want you play with these guys so you know you obviously are you're right there right so uh you know use that as inspiration use that as motivation as well as like i want to i want to be in i want to be in that uh, that spot you know i want to be in those shoes so yeah awesome moment for him it was great to see and and yeah i you know obviously you dream of you dream of those things and that's just another itch another another thing that makes you want to get there Talking with Jeff Kubiak on the Sound Up podcast this week, December the 1st of 2020. Hard to believe it's already December, uh, but happy to, to get this you know calendar year over with and move on to 2021 with everything that's talking about adversity, everything that's gone on this year. Uh, Jeff, to finish up this podcast, and again, thank you so much for joining us. This is actually my favorite part of the whole show because this is where I stop asking my questions and I turn it over to the fans and they get to ask theirs. So we've got three questions submitted by fans here in Connecticut, and and we're going to start with Brandon in Milford who submitted a question earlier today actually, and he wants to know regarding your pregame meals for home games, do you have a favorite spot locally that you go to? Maybe not religiously, but you you tend to go to a lot for a pregame meal here uh, in the Bridgeport area? Uh, yeah, actually, I well, for, uh, for like a night game, like a Friday, Saturday night game, I usually will cook, actually, uh, at home. I do uh, chicken, uh, chicken breast, sweet potatoes, and avocado, which I kind of switched. Uh, I switched from pasta, like, real early in the season and switched to sweet potato. Felt like it helped me a little bit better from an energy standpoint. Uh, and then if it's, a, if it's a Sunday game, I do, uh, like, a 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock, I do uh, – the Milford Diner, which is, I know it's a known restaurant here <laughs> in, in Milford. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's really good, and I get I usually do one big meal there because of the awkward timing of the game. So I do some uh, yeah, I do some eggs, and some bacon, you know, maybe some pancakes if I'm feeling I'm feeling a little crazy. But uh, but yeah, so those are my two different like options based <laughs> on times of the games. Yeah, don't get me started on diners. I love diners. I'd, I'd eat at a hole-in-the-wall diner five days a week if I could. Oh, I feel like, East, especially on the East Coast, too, I feel like it's diners everywhere. So I just love trying them all out because they're all so good. Yeah, yeah 100%. Agree with you on that. Uh, we'll move on to Haley in Stratford, Connecticut, so uh, just right up the road here. And she wants to know that when you finally get to return to Webster Bank Arena and you finally get to go into the locker room again, what's the first thing you're going to do? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't know. I might just go sit in the in the stall and just like be so happy I'm back. Honestly, just just be like, wow, this is it's great to be back. That or that or the sauna, probably. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Both both great answers. Uh, finally, Jeff, uh, we we got our final question in the mailbag segment here. It's from Len and Trumbull, and this is interesting. We're I'm going to start off by asking a. a 
kind of preface it with another question. You're you're from the Chicago suburbs. Were you a Blackhawks fan growing up? Uh, unfortunately, no. Even though my whole family was, I started liking I started liking the uh, the Red Wings because my favorite player at the time was Sergei Fedorov, number ninety one, and I, I wore like number ninety one when I was a kid just because I don't even know, honestly I don't even know how I started to like him and the Red Wings. I just did, and so I started liking the Red Wings, and then my and then when Pavel Datsu came around, he actually ended up being my next like favorite player, and still is my favorite, still is my favorite player now. But so I just always was a Red Wings fan. I had, like that was kind of like a personal choice as opposed to Packers being a Packers fan. That was more of like a family thing. So, uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. So from Chicago, but you support Green Bay and yes, Detroit. Got, got it. it. Yeah, that makes sense. Very okay. weird. I know. I, I'll 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 battle it though to the to the end with people. It's just just how it is. I don't even know. I don't even know why. Yeah. So, so that was my question because it, it leads into this one. So, Len in Trumbull, Connecticut, wants to know: even though you weren't a, a Blackhawks fan growing up, I'm sure you, you followed him. You knew who was on the team and everything. Andrew Ladd was a part of that run where they won three Stanley Cups um, in a short amount of time. So, I'm sure you got to watch him on the Blackhawks during that run. What was it like then having him as a teammate this past season, a guy who's uh, been around for so long, a captain in the NHL for a lot of time, and a guy who, again, is uh, a big part of that you know Blackhawks run where they, they won the Stanley Cup in 2010, and obviously they won a couple more after that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly like pretty surreal. It's, you know, it's huge, too, from like a, being a teammate of him standpoint. Like you ask him questions, you know, he's, he's a leader. He's been through the, you know, been through the trenches, if you will, when it comes to winning a Stanley Cup in the NHL, like that experience alone just has, is, is worth so much to any player, especially the younger guys coming into pro hockey. Like, you know, when he, when he talks to you, he pulls you aside on the, on the ice and practice. It's just, you know, you listen to him because it's just what you would, you know, you want to learn from a guy like that. And he's a great guy. He's awesome in the locker room, awesome in the bus, play cards, cracks jokes. Like it's, it's, you know, he's just a great teammate and great, great leader. And yeah, like you like, like I said, it's just huge for the, from an experience standpoint and you know, like a, you know, like a teaching standpoint is someone you just go to if you have some questions, cause he probably has the answer. Jeff, thanks again for doing this. Great stuff. Um, I hope I get to see you in person sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, it was great to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks, Al. Thanks for having me. It was a blast.